I want to begin this morning with a little bit of a confession. It's eight weeks now that we have gone virtual, like so many churches across our world and country. And it was eight weeks ago that our world and our little place in the world changed forever. And we became a social distant society. It was eight weeks ago that I worried. I mean deeply worried. I worried about our new and year and a half old young church. I worried that if any amount stretch of not being together, physically being together, would we survive? Would our church fold? I worried what that meant for my family. I worried what that meant for me in the moment and long term. I had such a great weight of worriedness in my life just eight weeks ago. I said this eight weeks ago in that first online message, that anxiousness or worrisome grows out of the unknown. And we are seemingly living in the great unknown. Now, my worriness and the weight of is not unusual. I'm not unique. All of us, some way, some form or fashion, at some point and multiple points, we've worried. We have worried about people, family, friends. We have worried about jobs and situations. We have worried about finances. We have worried about circumstances. We have worried about a lot because our world has upended. Our Normal procedures have turned upside down and the unknown of what that meant has grown this worriedness. We have worried. And so, when we hear these words from Jesus, when we hear what he has to say, when he says this, we, we begin to question not only Jesus' sanity, but if what Jesus could mean. Because he's, see, he can't mean what he says. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not worry about your life. Now, before you close this tab or go on to another online worship, just hold on for a second. Don't switch or turn this off because of what Jesus said. Because you hear Jesus say, do not worry about, about your life, we have to start questioning. Where we seemingly start questioning Jesus' sanity. Is he for real? Could Jesus actually mean what he says here? Because this is one of those statements. That if things are going really well, if we're not in a pandemic, and things are joyous and uh, going the way we think they ought to go, we hear this and we're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I will not worry. I have nothing to worry about. But in a world that is rapidly changing, in a world that has a weightiness of worrisome, and a world of unknown, you hear these words and you sit back and you question and wonder, is Jesus serious? He's serious. Jesus is quite serious. Well, hold on. 
Hold on. Jesus, you didn't live through a pandemic. Jesus, hold on. You didn't live through millions of people losing their jobs. Hold on, Jesus. You didn't live through a a roller coaster ride of a stock market. So you don't understand there are true real life things to be worried about. Jesus lived the roller coaster of human life. And in the midst of a roller coaster life experience, and in the midst of good days, hard days, critical days, Jesus said this Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink about your body and what you will wear. (laughs) I mean, he can't be serious. He's serious. Now, here's why I think Jesus is serious. There's several reasons. I'm going to pay attention to two of them, but I'm going to give you four. I'll give you four and pay attention to two. He's serious because as a As a parent, when I tell my children, do not do something, I don't say that uh, flippantly. I mean what I say. This happened just a few days ago to my six-year-old son. I had to say these words. Do not put your hand in the toaster. I didn't say that. To as a recommendation. I didn't say that because I thought, well, it's just something fun to say in the moment. I said that because I wanted him to never, ever put his hand in the toaster again. Secondly, I think Jesus is serious because the imperative in his sentence is quite clear. There are no out clauses. There are no, there are no ways around what he says. It is a direct imperative. Do not. Do not worry about your life. And it's not, do not worry about your life unless you have something really, really, really important to worry about. There's nothing like that here. Do not worry about your life. Now, thirdly, and these are the last two that I really want to hone in on. Um... I think Jesus is serious about what he says here because he's being incredibly practical. Do not worry about your life. Now, that doesn't seem practical, but Jesus is being quite practical when he says this. Now, here's what I mean by this. I want to flash forward to Matthew chapter 10 for just a moment. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has gathered all 12 of his disciples, and Jesus is about to send his 12 disciples off onto their first missionary journeys. He's about to send them off on their own. Now, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, I'm not going to read a lot of Matthew chapter 10, but um, you can do that on your own, and I encourage you to do that, because Jesus gathers his disciples around, and he is straightforward, and he's incredibly practical with them. He doesn't weave in and out. He is straightforward and he is going to tell them the way it is going to be as a disciple of his. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says things like, you will be flogged 
and when they arrest you. And he talks about father and son and brothers and sisters. They will uh, betray you. That betrayal will be the norm. And he says, you will be hated as a disciple. And in the middle of all of this, in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 10, 18, Jesus says, do not worry. Now, specifically to that example in chapter 10, verse 18 is when you are arrested, do not worry. And it is the same imperative that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6. So what Jesus does here is he paints a picture of a kooky, topsy-turvy, out-there kind of world where bad things constantly happen and you are going to live in that world. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, the first part of this is he sends his disciples out. He says, I'm sending you, my sheep, among the wolves. Jesus doesn't downplay the harshness of the world to which his disciples are going to enter. They are going to go into a topsy-turvy, kooky world where betrayal is normal and you will be hurt and things, bad things can happen to you. And in the middle of this topsy-turvy world, Jesus' instructions are quite practical to his disciples. Do not worry. That his disciples ought to be the ones who not only live in the fallen world like everyone else, they ought to be the examples and the ones who live in such a practical way that when, not if, but when, the kooky, topsy-turvy world comes rushing into your world, into your life, that you practically live by not worrying, by shedding the anxiousness of the great unknown. And we live in this harsh reality. This practical message doesn't go away, has not ever gone away. And Jesus orders his disciples then, and he orders his disciples now to not worry in this fallen world in this broken place, in this pandemic life. Do not worry. Jesus sends us in this world. Jesus knows, and he still sends us. And the practical advice, and the practical way of living that is this imperative. Do not worry. Now, the fourth one, and we're going to bring these last two together here in just a moment, but the fourth one, that reason I know Jesus is serious about what he says, is that Jesus is programmatic. Um, Jesus is methodical and he is tactical about what he says and when he says it. Okay, notice in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus doesn't simply just jump into do not worry. It actually it actually begins in the verses before this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. 
Now, what Jesus begins to do in the following verses with this imperative is to tell his disciples, to show his disciples, to, 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 to present to his listeners that life has a different meaning and perspective, a different kind of attitude that is not found on earth, but rather in heaven. He gives two dichotomies here. And the dichotomy is, do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather store it for yourselves treasures in heaven. And when God's people and when those who hear Jesus begin to live out this attitude, things begin to not only be lived differently, but look differently. Our attitudes change about how we see wealth, about how we see others, about how we see the chaotic, topsy-turvy, kooky world that we live in. Because we're not storing up value here on earth, we're storing up value from heaven. So, do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather store it for yourselves treasures in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, okay, there is a new way of thinking and living and a new attitude towards the, the world, the topsy-turvy, kooky world that we live in. And to practically live out what Jesus commands, do not worry about your life, we first have to wrestle with, struggle with, and start living out a different kind of attitude where our treasures not on earth, but in heaven. Because wherever our treasures are, that's where our hearts are going to be. Whatever we find the most value, our hearts are there. And so Jesus in this section goes on to talk about that our eyes are the lamp of the body. And if the body is full of darkness, how great is that darkness and no one can serve both God and money you love the one or hate the other you cannot serve both God and money for where your treasure is your heart will be awesome now I want to illustrate some of this new attitude this way so we can think of it as like a balance scale Life, in a lot of ways, we work hard for balance in life. And I think we do this in our spiritual lives as well. If things are balanced, that's really good. And we've bought into this lie that balance is okay. Um, and, And the balance between, let's say, worry and trust in God is something that we, in my observation, we work really hard at. That if it's in a balance, it's okay. So we've bought into this lie that I can worry just not too much where my trust in God is backed away. So when we begin to worry too much, we're off balance. And so what do we do? We try to balance that out. So, okay, I can worry a little, but I also have trust in God. And these are things to worry about. But what happens again if worry starts to, we become imbalanced. And so we work towards our balancing act 
of bringing this all together. Now, the programmatic side of Jesus here is that this is not a balancing act. Okay? Jesus is not saying, do not store it for yourself treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be there also, so that we can balance out life. Again, the eyes of the lamp of the body. And if the body's full of darkness, then that darkness is going to be seen and known and shown. And God, and you cannot serve both God and money. It's not a balancing act. The programmatic side of Jesus says that you cannot balance worry and trust in God. Because worry, here's the thing, and I think this is, I think this is a takeaway that is really hard. That worry will always outweigh God. Always. Worry will always imbalance us in our spiritual lives and in our relationship with God. And so what Jesus gets to is that when we begin to invest, when we start to pay attention to these kind and have this kind of uh, heavenly attitude, we see that our balancing act is no balancing act at all, that it's always been tipped the wrong way. And what Jesus is asking, that his methodical and tactical imperative to do not store up treasures on earth is actually a way for God's people to take away worry altogether so that the scale is imbalanced, but it's tipping in our relationship and trust towards God. So, in order to consider and then live out, do not worry about your life, we first must investigate our treasures. We need to do the hard work of of investigating where our treasures are because we're going to find our hearts there. And are we trying the balancing life or are we working towards a God imbalance in our life where God is tipping the scales and everything else in our lives? Because once we start having that kind of attitude, once we begin to investigate our treasures and working, doing the hard work, of tipping those scales towards God. The imperative, do not worry about your life, comes into a new focus because we have a new attitude. So, I want to think of it this way, and I want to leave us with some practical things because as practical as Jesus is being, he's also being quite impractical. Um... For as practical as Jesus is being, he's also being incredibly impracticable. Okay? And what I mean by this is, is if you think about what Jesus is saying, he wants us to live in such a way that the world will look at you and your priorities and your attitude towards stuff, your attitude towards money, your attitude towards the stock market, your attitude towards the economy, and they will see how your attitude is shaping the rest of your life. They will look, the world will see that and go, wait, that makes no sense. That's an impracticable way of living life. It makes no sense and it can't live itself out. But God, but Jesus looks at this as a positive way of life. It is a practical kingdom living way. So, 
How do we start to become practically impractical? <laughs> How do we start to get ourselves to investigate our treasures, to be people who do not allow worry to tip the scales in our lives? How do we live in a world? How do we live lives in a world that is filled with worry? Well, I want to give I want to leave us with three practical three encouragements to live with and to try this week. And first, I want to encourage you to fast from social media and the news. Well, how am I supposed to know what's going on? And I I'm saying that probably some of you <laughs> need to turn that stuff off altogether. Uh, but what I want to encourage you is this next week, take one day, preferably your Sabbath day, your, your off day, and I want you to turn off the phone. Do not go to the news. Do not open the paper. Do not scroll and listen. Just get away from social media and the news. Take one day and don't watch it. Take one day and don't listen to the opinions of other people. Take one day to, to back away from all that stuff. Here's, here's what I think happens if when we practice fasting from social media news. We don't take the coals that fuel the fire of worrisome. We don't take uh, the moments and, the, and the, the news and the, the moments of the world and the opinions of the people around us to fuel the fire of worrisome in our lives. We take a break from it. And for us to begin to investigate where our hearts are lying, where the treasures are in our lives, I think one of the things we're going to have to do is back away from the coals that burn those fires. And so you may be thinking about this and hearing this and go, well, that, that doesn't make sense. And I think that's the way Jesus has meant it. That for us to live out, do not worry. We need to be impracticable with the worldly ways. Because that is practical in Jesus' ways. Secondly, write your worries and your prayers. Write them out. Take a physical pen or pencil and paper and write them out. Take some time this week, and at least do this one time this week, at least. And I want you, if you're you're finding yourself in a place of worrisome, and you're worried about your job, you're worried about finances, you're worried about school, you're whatever it is you're worried about, list those out. Write those out. And here's what writing does that, that typing or texting doesn't allow. It allows our brains to slow down for a few moments. So write them out. Pen and paper, old school, write them out. And at the end, and when you slow down and start thinking about those things, you start to you start to your brain will begin to process the the activities or the situations that you're truly worried about. And at the end of listing or writing about your worries, write a prayer to God. Because the same thing happens here with pen and paper. It slows our brains and it allows us to slowly articulate what we want to say to God about those worries. And so, write your worries. Write a prayer to God to slow down. 
to start paying attention. And I think the great benefit of some of an activity or an exercise like this is that it allows us to hand some of those worries over to God, those anxieties over to God. Last one. Share your worries with God, not online. Don't add to the echo chamber and don't add to the worries of others. Okay, the best case scenario about venting or sharing your two cents about the whole situation or your your view and how you have simply solved a grand global pandemic, you the best case scenario is that you are adding worries to other people who read that or find that. You're adding worries to your friends and family. Worst case scenario is you're sharing those things because you're worried about those things and you're fueling your own worries and your own unknowns inside of you. The only person, the only one outside of of your spouse that should hear your worries is God. Don't share them. I I don't know how uh, clear or straightforward I can be. They're not meant, your worries and your opinions, your two cents of the whole situation only creates a worried, uh, a, a worrisome world. So don't share them with others. Don't share them online. More importantly, share it with God. So let's end with reading Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'd like to end with this. Do not worry is not a hurdle. 
It's an opportunity. It's not meant to hold us down or give us impractical, absurd levels to live by. Jesus says it because he means it. He says it because he believes it. He says it because it can happen in your life. It is an opportunity to not turn to the unknown of the world around us. It is an opportunity to turn to God. To be in the presence of the Father. Because when we begin to worry, when we recognize we are worried people, a worried person, as my wife, Lord, reminded me eight weeks ago when she could tell the worrisome was weighing me down. She reminded me that it is an opportunity to seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and my God and your God will add and take care of you. 